0: Welcome everyone to the Registry's inaugural podcast where we will attempt to make sense of what is happening in the industry and understand the drivers of commercial real estate in this new world we're facing. On our first podcast today, we have the privilege of speaking with John McNellis, principal of McNellis Partners and one of the most prolific contributors for the Registry. John and his partners have recently made a commitment to help a number of their smaller retail tenants across their entire portfolio as the economic fallout of the coronavirus grows. They have forgone April rent and wanted to inspire other developers to do the same. John and I sit down today to follow up on this and discuss how his peers and others have responded to their gesture. John also gives his insights into the industry and more broadly, if any, lasting changes this will have on commercial real estate. So without further ado, here is John McNellis. Hi John.
1: Hi Vlad, how are you?
0: I am well, how are you?
1: Well, I'm just great, just great.
0: Where are you, can we start uh, with that? Uh, sure. The governor has closed the state, but are you closed off?
1: Yeah, yes, uh, we are, but I'm, I'm sheltering in office. Uh, we have a very small office here in downtown Palo Alto. Uh, and so I'm walking from my home where I don't have an office uh, to work. Uh, the walk is the exercise in lieu of the gym and the office is uh, very quiet so it works out fine.
0: This virus has obviously been a surprise for many. I'm sure it's been a surprise for you as well. Any initial thoughts on what this all means and how you experienced it over the last couple of weeks? How has this impacted you as a human being?
1: Yeah, I, I think as it slowly started to build up, I think I was along with it almost everybody else thinking that it wouldn't be that big a deal. It didn't come home as a as a real terror or a harsh reality to us, until about mid mid March, uh, April th- or May thirteenth. Excuse me, March thirteenth or fourteenth. It went. It just started. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a monsoon it, that starts. There's this first one d- drop of water, and then another, and then another, and then suddenly, you know, it's just a torrent. And that's what's hap- That what happened here. You know, where, so by St. Patrick's day, uh, we were here in California, just full on in the midst of it.
0: Yeah. And we're seeing that obviously play out, not just in California, but throughout the country. Um, so part of, um, this initiative with our new podcast, John is to try to shed some light on what is happening around the industry. And uh, we've been very fortunate to work with you over the last 13 years, um, over the last 10 years actually, but you, you've been certainly the person we worked probably most consistently over the last 13 years. So I appreciate that. And I think because of that, I'm, I'm very honored that you are taking this leap with us into this podcasting sphere. Um, so we wanted to touch base and talk a little bit about what's happening throughout the industry and how you as a developer have been affected, uh, things that you're seeing around the market, how you think certain parts of the industry will be affected. Um, so we'll we'll get into that. But before we, we do, maybe give us a little bit of a background in terms of McNally's Partners, a little bit about your portfolio, just so that we have a baseline of where you're coming from.
1: Sure, happy to. We started almost 40 years ago uh, in retail. And by retail, I mean neighborhood shopping centers. Uh, neighborhood shopping centers are roughly 50 to 100,000 feet. In those days, and pretty much still today, they were anchored by a supermarket and a pharmacy. And that has been our primary focus ever since we started the company. and. The, the bulk of our portfolio is still in retail. Fortunately for us, particularly in today, uh, uh, our our centers are supermarket anchored. And just, I think everybody knows this just by watching the news, the supermarkets are knocking the cover off the ball. They're doing extraordinarily well. Uh, what in, in our world, what isn't doing well it, is the small shop. Uh, and we have any number of small shops <clears throat> that are just being totally crushed. Uh, we also uh, today, just by way of example, I spoke with uh, one of our fitness operators, uh, uh, two of our fitness operators to two different locations, and they went from I'll make up a number 20 million a month in revenues spread over in, let's say, 100 stores or 100 gyms to zero. <laughs> they, uh, and, of course, they called uh, wanting you know, rent relief. I mean, it, wow. it, it has been uh, pretty much like that. There, there are a few tenants. Supermarkets are doing great. Liquor stores, <laughs> not surprisingly, are doing fine. Cigarette stores are, are doing fine. Uh, the, the more clever little restaurants are doing not quite okay, but they're, they're – they're open, with. they're doing the, the takeout, and they're running outside and uh, their bus boys are now uh, wearing gloves and hand delivering uh, hot meals to go. And some of the, uh, the coffee shops are, are doing the same thing. We're located, when, I'm sorry, please.
0: No, 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 I, I was just going to say when you look across your portfolio and some tenants seem to be doing well, some seem to be doing not so well what percentage of your portfolio would you say uh, make up the tenants that are okay and the ones that are not okay
1: well that's easy in, in a given shopping center the supermarkets roughly half uh, so I, I would and then banks are, are have to stay open they're doing okay so I, I would say and for the retail portion of our portfolio maybe it's 30 to 40 Thirty-five percent are, are these small tenants that I'm talking about. And the tenants I'm talking about are nail salons, um, little restaurants, you know, Chinese restaurant, Thai restaurant, Mexican taqueria, uh, any of the personal services, the uh, the little gyms, um, the massage, the nail, uh, the hair, <laughs> anything that... Uh, in fact, uh, I desperately need a haircut myself, but you know I'm social distancing from my hair cutter, and so I, I can barely see <laughs> with the hair in my eyes. Uh, they're the ones who yeah. are, are impacted yeah. the most.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I think we're all in the in the same boat. Um, as you look across your portfolio, would you say that your portfolio breakdown is roughly what maybe other retail developers l- like you are experiencing. So I'm trying to kind of draw just a comparison, you know, if what you're seeing in terms of the overall portfolio performance would mimic, you know, somebody in another state or another part of the state or country.
1: Uh, great question. It would if they were in the same ni- uh, niche as we, and and that is supermarket neighborhood centers. The The guys who I think I don't think I know are hurt much worse are the, the fellows who own the community centers the um, the discount centers anybody that, that has a center with um, lots of soft goods users uh, uh, clothing stores um, or hard goods for that matter uh, they're crushed because those sales have evaporated Again, the, the tenants that are doing well, uh, the, the large box tenants that are doing well, I think you can count on one hand. Walmart, of course, Amazon is in its own category. Targets, uh, I'm sure, are doing fine. But if you have a, a box center that with, uh, let's say, uh, Ross uh, or TJ Maxx or Burlington Coat, uh, any of those tenants, uh, and there's a whole suite of, of tenants like that, their, their sales are off in, uh, entirely. In, in fact, they've, they've all shut down because they're not essential. Again, we have the benefit of with supermarkets. They're open. And in fact, I, I think they're running almost
0: around the clock now. Right, right. So uh, this podcast comes as a follow-up to an article that you wrote a week ago now, almost a little bit more than a week ago, where one of your sort of gut reactions, your initial things that you wanted to do was to provide um, some relief to some of your tenants. Would would you mind in brief describing what that initiative entailed?
1: Sure, Vlad. As I said, we've been in this business a long time, and we've had some tenants, and I'm talking about uh, both mom and pops and major tenants for well over 30 years, and some of them we've gotten to know quite well. When all hell broke loose here in California, and it was quite clear, and it was, I think, Sunday, March 15th, it was clear that the state was going to shut down, we knew our tenants were going to be in a bad way. Uh, You recall that the shutdown here was first the the Greater Bay Area, and and now it's the whole state. Uh, And so, when my partners and I discussed it, we categorized our tenants into three broad buckets or silos i guess you could say small mom and pops uh that's an individual store or owned by an uh, individual operator uh, without any brand so for example bladden john's pizza parlor uh one category the next would have been franchises uh, subway taco bell carl's jr um you name it you know, they're There are a thousand franchises out there. They're a little stronger uh, because, you know, they've got the national company, let's pick on Subway, behind them, helping them out. And then finally, credit tenants. Um, Starbucks, great example. So we do not have infinite resources. uh, And... Uh, we do have loans on these properties, uh, and it, it, if you wanted a really short conversation, you could call your lender and ask them to forgive some rent on your mortgage. That that isn't going to happen. So anyway, it, it was almost like, uh, to use the example that's that's been so vivid in in the news, it's almost like we're uh, Italian doctors in in, in Bergamo. Uh, Trying to triage we knew all of our tenants with the exception of of, say the supermarkets uh, Liquor stores and and tobacco shops. They were all going to be hit But with our limited resources, we decided we would help primarily of small mom-and-pops so what we elected to do with them was to uh, forgive outright rent for the month of April Uh, We told them that uh, on St. Patrick's Day uh, knowing they were shutting down that day, but knowing uh, and still today, hoping that they'll be open by early April so they'd have like a month of runway of income. And hoping by May 1st, you know, spring would truly be here and they'd be well on their way. So for this mom and pops, it was total rent forgiveness for the month.
0: And you wanted to write about this, and we published this story on the registry's website. And you've also published it elsewhere on LinkedIn and some other um, media outlets. Um, You've been publishing with us now, John, like I said earlier, for about 10 years. You usually get feedback from the commentary from your uh, listeners, readers. Um, Tell me, how was it received?
1: It was unbelievable. The the outpouring, (laughs) uh, uh, as you know, it's the the shortest essay I've ever written, uh, less than half what I usually do. And it's not the least bit clever. It, It just what we wanted to do, frankly, what we wanted to do was lead by example. you know, anonymous charity is is a wonderful thing, but we thought because we're well known in our industry and and actually on the 16th, before we we did this, March 16th, we actually had more calls from competitors and friends in the business than we did from tenants. They're saying, John, what are you guys going to do? So we thought if we went public with, with this plan that not only could we help our own small tenants, uh, but others would uh, follow our example.
0: Do they follow your example? I should also state that a lot of your readers are primarily your peers, not necessarily uh, from the ranks of your tenants. So they are developers and people in the commercial real estate industry. So did you find that some of them really followed your example and did what you did?
1: Well, at least 10 of them, uh, and these are private developers as opposed to the the big guys, told me – and and by the way, the the outpouring was amazing. I I think I've done half a dozen newspaper interviews. Even People Magazine interviewed me about this. So I know that – and we called it our retail Marshall Plan. I I know that it got coverage far and wide. Uh, So I'm sure that others have. Uh, Somebody sent me this morning – Uh, a list the major uh players in in our field uh are not they're they're not forgiving rent they're just deferring it uh but at least they're doing something
0: meaning they will have to their tenants will have to pay the rent at some point but it it will still have to be paid
1: well the, the irvine company which is owned by donald bren who's uh I think he's the richest real estate guy in the state of california i looked it up he's worth 17 billion irvine company owns any number of of top quality shopping centers and uh, i saw his notice he was giving his tenants 90 days of deferred rent april may and june but they had to pay it back next year so it's like a small loan that's something and then just to finish our our program for the the franchise tenants the the subway tenants of the world we said that uh, we will match whatever your franchisor does we, d- we didn't want to enrich uh the franchisors because as you know that the, the little guys have to kick up fees every month to the franchisors so we said if uh, they give you a break we'll give you a matching break up to a full month's rent subway by the way uh i you know hats off kudos to subway that they As far as I can tell, and I've been hearing back from all the tenants saying, yes, my franchisor is helping me or no, it's not. Subway has been the most generous to its uh, franchisees. So and then and finally, to the credit tenants, we said, look, you know, back to that uh, triage metaphor, we simply don't have the financial bandwidth to help you. And you guys are way richer than we are. Uh, You'll need to pay your rent.
0: I assume the. The reaction from the tenants was positive. Have you heard back from them and how much this has meant to them?
1: Oh, it was overwhelming. Uh, it, it it actually, if you're a little bit sentimental or maudlin, it would bring a tear to your eyes. Uh, it, it, incredible response. They were so thankful. And, and one of them pointed out that this was so nice for you to offer it so we didn't have to feel humiliated, you know, and come, hat in hand on our knees asking for a rent reduction. And I, I think it really did provide uh, uh, a glimmer of hope, a, a ray of light, like, oh, my God, I don't have to pay this 5000 or $10,000. It, it, it worked great. Uh, it's, it's very rare that one's hopes and, and plans work out so perfectly. And uh, this one really
0: did. Yeah. Well, that's, that's I, really I'm, great. I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, what what have you um, heard from others? Are you receiving uh, calls from your other tenants who maybe did not fall into the McNeilis-Marshall plan but were you know, still impacted, yeah. obviously? Um, what kind of uh, calls, what kind of, I don't want to call it pushback, but what, what are you hearing uh, just as sort of a sense in terms of how the other tenants are reacting to the new reality?
1: I think... It- first of all just to get technical for a moment uh, every lease that in commercial and in retail tends to have what's called a force majeure clause which says that if if either party is unable to perform due to uh, circumstances beyond its control uh, that performance is forgiven so the virus fits perfectly within the definition of a force majeure event the problem is that every single lease also says uh, performance is forgiven except for the payment of rent. So the biggest, toughest tenants out there, the ones who are you know, wickedly difficult to deal with from a landlord's perspective, still have to pay their rent under these leases. Now, as an aside, I guarantee you that every lease and lease amendment they sign from now on, that they, they will change that. You know, Now they've been burned by this. But I think all the tenants, regardless of of their credit rating, uh, regardless of their uh, war chest or, or capitalization, they're all coming back and saying, What can you do for us? Um, literally today, I sent out four letters to uh, what you and I would think of as credit tenants, pushing back saying, You know, I'm sorry, we just don't have the ability to forgive rent. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you about Yeah,
0: that. I I wanted to ask a question. Do you have a force majeure clause, John, in your mortgage agreements? <laughs> no, no. That's what I thought, yeah, right?
1: No, yeah, no, yeah, we have to pay the interest no matter what. Uh, I talked to one lender, a uh, really nice guy, and he said that, uh, but you think about it, now retail has been hard hit hotels have been devastated, absolutely devastated. Hotels went from 80% occupancy to zero. Uh, and so the, the, the hotels, in fact, I talked to two lenders about it. Uh, they're both in the same situation. They have loans secured by either a single hotel or if uh, much bigger banks. They, they say they have a billion dollars out there on a, uh, a whole portfolio of hotels or a chain and suddenly there's no income at all. Uh, they're not forgiving interest in, in those situations, but they're deferring it. Uh, but you know they it, this uh, pandemic is just cutting across, you know, everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, hotels are hit far worse. Yeah. Uh, free freestanding restaurants uh, are, are in bad shape. You know, and then again in hindsight, and just by pure luck because our portfolio is supermarket centric, you know, we're better off than most.
0: Now that we're talking about some other industries, do you think this will have a lasting impact on retail?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I think, I think that unfortunately, or depending on your point of view or, or the other way around, I I think this will push even more people to Amazon push even more people to the delivery side of the business uh you know everybody's doing that now and they're getting used to it and i i think you know and as you know better than anybody i've written about this for the last half a dozen years that i think the winners in retail are those that can 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 combine bricks and mortar with um delivery you know with, with internet presence so, it, you know, in fact, I think the line I used was Amazon and Walmart are like the Northern Pacific and Union Pacific right. uh, railroads, and they're marching toward each other across the Great Plains, and they're going to meet. And, and once Amazon acquires enough bricks-and-mortar locations, and once uh, Walmart is, is absolutely up to snuff on the Internet, you know, they will be the, the two behemoths in, in the business, along with others. Um, so I, I, I think it accelerates that frankly the the whole internet uh, uh, impact on retail
0: right and one of the things that we've that you've covered in I think several of your essays over the last few years, John is um, this whole notion of you know delivery the you know the instacarts and the other sort of companies that are in that space and they had a really hard time I believe prior to the virus being significant and now you know there's a headline. Earlier this week, that Insta, Instacart is looking to hire three hundred thousand people across the country as personal shoppers. Any any thoughts about how that might be, or do they become a feature of one of these big players where they acquire them, and um, there is your network of last mile delivery people?
1: Yeah, that that's a complicated question. The problem again, just let's us accept for the moment that the last mile cost. Twelve or $15 to deliver uh, and so I, th- I still think that the Costco model where 10,000 units of whatever let's say toilet paper everybody's buying that where the 10,000 units of toilet paper is delivered to to Costco and then you and I we drive the last one two three miles and we go pick up our toilet paper there and so it's our hour of time to do it and our gas and, and our hassle uh, Now, for for the 1%, they're gonna say, I don't care. I'll pay that $15, right, so I don't have to go to Costco. I'll have Amazon deliver the toilet paper to me. But once you mark to market, and once you say that the last mile has to pay for itself, once Wall Street stops underwriting all these delivery companies, um, Instacart, uh, all of the, uh, again, we talked about this before, the restaurant delivery guys, DoorDash, and so on. Once that they don't have Wall Street uh, fuel to uh, fill their tank, and you got to charge that 15 bucks, then I think that the market starts to evaporate because the 99 percent, in fact, uh, some. I might do it myself for fifteen bucks. Screw it. I'll I'll go to Costco and pick it up.
0: Do you think it could be underwritten by the Safeways and the QFCs and other people like that who don't have that network, by fee, but feel that they need to have it in order to survive?
1: You know, I haven't checked in a while, but I, I think Safeway actually charges you
0: what it costs. They do. They uh, do. I think they have a flat rate, <laughs> and I think others do do as well. But that but that's my point. Do they? Do they become the underwriters of such a such an offering rather than Wall Street?
1: Well, I, I think Safeway, you know, it's a Safeway views it. There's been home delivery from groceries, from the first grocery store. There was, there was home delivery in the 18th century, in the 19th century. You know, you, you'd stop by, you know, you, you'd tell your grocer, you know, drop off the, the, the groceries. And it was just a necessary service. It, it wasn't a right. profit center. Uh, and I think SafeWave views it that way today, so I think, and I don't use it, but I think they charge the, the $10 or $15, so they don't make money on the home deliveries, but uh, they don't lose it either, uh, and I, I think the pure delivery companies are losing it. Right. We're getting kind of far afield
0: from yeah. the virus. But. Yes, we are. We are. Well, let's let's go back to um, some of your other holdings. So, uh, uh, McNellis Partners is not just a retail developer. You guys also own um, office product and some multifamily product as well. Um, what are you seeing, you know, in Silicon Valley around the office product?
1: I've, the office market has seized up. I don't unless a tenant is on the street <laughs> unless a tenant literally has, you know, <laughs> it's furniture, it's reception desk and everything sitting on the street uh, or in a truck needing to be delivered, every single lease is on hold. Everybody has walk from deals. Uh, and here's kind of an interesting thing. Right now, you know, the traffic in the Bay Area is, is like it was in 1955 or, uh, you know, it, it's extremely light. Why? Because the big guys, uh, Amazon, Facebook, uh, Google, and so on, have told everybody to stay home. So what interests me is, is how well that's working. And if these guys say in, in a month or two months or however long it is before normalcy returns, if they say, hey, wait a second, you know, that worked pretty well, having our guys work from home, you know, three or four days a week. Maybe we don't need these millions of square feet of, of, of office space anymore. Uh, I mean, maybe we can pare this down. So I'm kind of afraid uh, that the office market, and particularly Silicon Valley, uh, could be in for some rough times. But don't know, it, or it could, could resume. Um, but people right now seem to be doing okay working from home.
0: Right. And on any of your office holdings, are you seeing anything specifically evolve or it's just still too early at this point?
1: Well, we've had a lease out for signature uh, on one of our buildings um, now for several weeks. And the broker and I, we've had this kind of doomsday humor going back and forth. Like he's saying, John, if this lease gets signed, and, and I think it will, uh, this is going to be like the last flight out of Casablanca. <laughs> you know, that's Yours is the right. last one that's going to get signed, you know, for a while, for months. And the only reason is that the tenant has to leave its other space. It's too small and they're already pretty well set to go. But, you know, the office market is tough. That I think the office leasing brokers are all going to have to start practicing their fly fishing skills.
0: So, John, from everything that we've seen so far, are there any long lasting social changes that you anticipate might be happening? Is the handshake really dead from now on?
1: <laughs> DocuSign. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the handshake, it may take a while to recover. Uh, and the man hug is, is probably going to be on hold for quite a while. Uh, just as, as on a uh, not exactly lighter note, but there, you know, we've all been, you um, uh, nesting at home, uh, watching Netflix, and everybody's been saying, watch this series, watch that series. There's a series on Netflix that's an Italian mobster series called Gomorrah, and you see the Italians, and they're such a friendly, huggy race. The men, these mobsters, are constantly hugging and kissing each other on the cheek and, and having their arms around each other. You can see <laughs> And when you watch it, you think, oh, my God, this is how that virus spread there. You know, for the, we Northern Europeans, we, we kind of are born with social distancing. So uh, it, it's not that big a change. But, um, again, lasting effects, I, I think more home deli- delivery uh, in my world it, which uh, has the fortunate name of uh, being called necessity retail, groceries and pizza and nail salons. I don't think it has, a, and of course I'm a total optimist, but I don't think it has a, a true lasting effect. It may take a while uh, for the gyms to recover. In fact, I bet they recover last. And it also may be that the gyms, you know, you walk into any one of these uh, chain gyms, the machines are right next to each other I bet uh, in the future they will if not six feet apart I, I bet that they will separate these machines out quite a bit right and I bet I bet you'll see this is a, a small detail but more attendance uh, constantly cleaning uh, same with with the yoga shops uh, all of, of the gathering places I think are, are going to have to kind of uh, relook at it you know there was a, the Really scary piece in the Times yesterday, New York Times, explaining why New York was so hard hit. And the, the obvious answer is it's, it's incredible density. It's more than twice as dense as San Francisco, uh, which is the, the second most dense city uh, in the country. And that, you know, the packed subways, uh, the packed buses, the, everywhere it's packed, There and the, the apartment buildings with thousands of people in them. So I, I think you could almost see if, if you were kind of imagining a, a sci-fi sort of dystopian thing. Uh, people who can say, you know, I'm I'm going to move out of the city. Uh, now, the, the, again, the one the, percent they live in New York City and they have a place out in the Hamptons or something like that. But I think you could see more middle-class people saying, "This could happen again. You know, these viruses will continue to mutate."
0: Yeah, and likely will.
1: It, it could be that – in San Francisco, to, to me, uh, by the way, is plenty dense. Uh, you could see it become less desirable. You know, there, the, the Times made the point about uh, New York City is the most populous uh, city in the country. L.A. is the second most populous, but the rate of uh, infection in L.A. is a tiny fraction of New York's. And one of the conclusions is it's because people in L.A. are are, are spread out. It's not just the tan <laughs> that, that's right. helping them. Anyway. Right.
0: Great. Well, it. thank you, John. Much appreciated. Sure. I have enjoyed this session. And, um, again, honored that we were able to kick off this podcast series with your participation. So I appreciate your feedback and look forward to more collaboration with you.
1: Okay. My pleasure. Look forward to it. Thank you, Vlad.
0: Thanks. Bye. And with that, we've come to the conclusion of our inaugural podcast. Thank you all for taking the time to listen to us. Please stay tuned as we grow our library of podcasts and get a chance to speak to other notable leaders in the industry. Stay well.